Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you, and good morning, those online. Um, welcome, and thanks for having us in your home. You know, I, um, it is a treat <laughs> for us pastors to have people in the room when we preach. So I've been looking forward to this morning uh, for a couple weeks now. You know, uh, for a couple months... Um, you know, especially ever since COVID and then even the happenings of a, the past few weeks, pastors uh, at CVC and I, maybe even some of you have talked a lot more about end times, right? The end of the age, the, Jesus is coming again. And um, it's something we've gotten a lot of emails, people we've been fielding questions on. And the passage today out of Luke chapter 12 is about end Times, the end of the age. And you know, um, not only Christians are asking these questions. We see the society at large asking these questions. March, when COVID hit, recorded the highest gun sales ever in America, only to be beaten in June. <laughs> the, the, so, so not only Christians, but everyone, they're concerned. They're a little afraid. They're thinking more and more about the end times. And Christians, followers of Jesus, believe that this age is coming to an end. There will be an end of the age, and that will, come, that will happen when Jesus comes again. The belief that Jesus is coming again physically and Suddenly, it's a teaching that has been held by all Christians at all times. Let me just show you that. So the, uh, you'll see on the screen, there is a passage from the Didache. This is the first writings of the early church that we have outside of the New Testament. And it was written about AD 65. It says this, the Lord shall come and all his saints with him. Then shall the world see the Lord coming upon the clouds of heaven. So Jesus will physically come again and end, usher in the end of this age. And then we see uh, our Baptist faith and message, the theology statement that we hold here at CVC. It says, God in his own time and in his own way will bring the world to its appropriate end. According to his promise, Jesus Christ will return personally and visibly in glory to the earth. So the second coming of Jesus is something that all Christians at all times have believed. It's something that I believe. It's something that I hope you believe. And here, these, this belief begs this question. Are you ready to see Jesus again? Are you ready to meet Jesus? And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to be ready when Jesus comes again. We're going to talk about the posture of readiness, the purpose of readiness, the prize of readiness, and the period of readiness out of Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 40. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. And those of you at home, I'm going to ask you to do something. We don't do this very often. If you could stand, if you're able to stand up, we're going to read this passage together out loud. So those at home, if you want to stand with your family, that would be great. And read along. We'll see the words on the screen. 
stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Hey, good job. Amen. If you, could, you may uh, take a seat, and I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you have told us that you are coming again. Lord, we have nothing to fear. We have all to hope in that you have promised that you are coming again. Lord, let, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us this morning through this parable about your second coming. And may our lives be ready so that when you come again, we are ready to greet you. So Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The first uh, uh, thing I want to talk about is the posture of readiness. <clears throat> so Jesus is laying out a parable here to explain to uh, him, explain to us about his second coming and how we should be ready for his second coming. The first thing we see is the posture of readiness. We see in verse 35, we are to be stay, we are to stay dressed for action and to keep your lamps burning. What does that mean? Stay dressed for action in the original language, it literally means have your loins girded. So in that time, most men wore kind of a long flowing tunic that was difficult to move quickly in. You know, ladies, if you ever tried to run quickly to catch a bus, you know, running in a dress, it, does, it doesn't look like an easy task. So what men would do is they would take their tunic and tie it around their belt. It's called girding their loins. So when Jesus says that the servants are supposed to stay dressed for action for the master, what he's saying is that the servants should be able to move quickly. They should be ready to move quickly. And it says, keep your lamps burning. In this context, firewood was very, very costly and it wasn't readily available. So most light at night was based on oil lamps, usually olive oil. And these oil lamps had to be tended for a couple reasons. Sometimes the oil would burn out or sometimes soot would gather around the mouth and you'd have to clean that out. So at night, if you do not tend your lamp, then the lamp would go out. And have you ever been in the basement with, when the power goes out? It's like pitch black. Okay, imagine that. And then trying to go find a fire starter to start up your lamp. 
You see, when Jesus tells us to keep your lance burning, he is saying that a ready servant should keep his lamps burning so that he could see clearly. See, a posture of a ready servant, a ready servant is able to move quickly and to see clearly. That's the posture. Look with me at the purpose of readiness. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have a deep and enduring purpose for being ready. Verse 36 says this, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So what Jesus is telling us is that we are to have a, we have a deep and enduring purpose. You see, some people live their lives based on things that that could be gone in a moment. Maybe it's their appearance. They pour all their time and their effort into looking attractive or to looking um, like they've got it all together. Maybe it is their career where they pour everything into their engineering career, their nursing career, their teaching career, their construction careers, where they can be the best on the job site. But maybe it's leisure and hobbies. You want to work hard so you can play hard. You want to you know, stay half your life on the boat, get a sailboat or, you know, whatever your deal is. So many people of us can have a purpose of life that could be gone in an instant. We know that our bodies, our finances, our leisure could be gone in a moment's time. But followers of Jesus, we have a higher purpose. We have a higher calling. You see, Jesus tells his, the servants that they should be ready for when the master returns. You see, this master in the parable has gone to a wedding feast. A wedding feast lasts at least two days, sometimes for a week. And often it took great expense and great effort to travel to this wedding feast. So these Uh, These servants are to, the purpose is to be ready so that when the master comes back, they will be ready to serve the master. You see, they're not to be ready just to say like, hey, master, welcome back. Like the master is going to be hot. He's going to be hungry, thirsty. When the master comes back, he's going to give them the donkey. He wants to have bread and water or wine ready to refresh himself, a basin of water to wash his hands, his face and his feet. And he wants to hear from the servants about what has gone on in his estate. You see, the purpose of of ready servants is to serve the master. That's why these, these servants are to have a posture of readiness. You see, that's the same with followers of Jesus. You do know that the reason that you are saved is for the purpose of good works. Do you know that? See, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created, spiritually created new, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that we should walk in them. You see, when we as followers of Jesus care for the sick and the needy, we serve the widow and the orphan, we do the hard things to care for those who are the least and lost among us, we are fulfilling our calling. You see, the master says we serve him by serving others. So as followers of Jesus, we should, be, have, we should have lives marked by good works. 
That's why we are still here. We don't just disappear when Christ saves us. But if all we do is good works, if all we do is do the things we're supposed to, we serve at church, serve our neighbors, do all those good things, if that's all our lives are marked by, we've missed the most important thing. Let me try to explain by analogy. You see, these servants are to be ready for the purpose of serving the master. But, our, but God, for followers of Jesus, is not only our master, but he is also our father. So God wants children not merely to do things for him, God wants his children to long to be with him. Because a relationship of obligation and a relationship of love are two very different things. So, so I don't know if you're like me, but I don't like to, be owe, to owe people anything. Like, I don't like to owe people money. I don't like to owe people favors. I don't like to owe people. Like, I'd rather be owed. Like, I'd rather go help you, you know, with your yard, shovel mulch or whatever. I'd rather do that for you than have you do that for me. Because whoever is owed is in control, right? So if you help me do my mulch... And then uh, you know, two weeks later, you say, hey, Josh, um, this Tuesday, um, I'm having some mulch done. Can you, can you come over and help? You're like, oh, okay. I don't want to, but I kind of got to, right? See, whoever is owed is in control. And the problem for so many of us, because it's been a problem in my life, is we think because we do all these good things for God, he owes us good things in return. Because we do things for God, he owes us good things. And that mindset is poison to our relationship with God. If we think God owes us, first off, we are being fools. God owes us nothing. But what happens is in our own little minds, we put God as a debtor to us. And that is a great way to push out love in any relationship. Let me give you another illustration. I want to talk specifically to you men. So guys, you say you, you're, you spent a long day on the job site. Like it's really hot. You know, I drive, so we live in Parma Heights. I drive by these guys working on Ridge Road. It's like 95 degrees. They're like shoveling hot asphalt. And I'm like, God bless you brothers. <laughs> so a lot of you guys work hard. And you just long, after a hard day on the job site, you long to be home. And you can long to be home for one or two reasons. One reason is you long to be home because there's going to be food on the table and you're hungry. Now, that might not be a bad way, you know, to, that, that, that's a legitimate thing to long for. But if you get home and nothing's on the stove or nothing's on the table and you begin to be irritated and frustrated with your wife, you know you're treating her as a means to an end and not the end in themselves. Okay. 
But if you're driving home from a hard day on the job site and you long to be home so that you could just be with your wife, you could give her a big hug, a kiss, and a pat on the backside, and if there's nothing on the table, that's okay. If that's your heart, you know you guys are in a good place in your marriage because her presence is enough. God, our Heavenly Father, wants our longing before he wants our good works. You see, God wants us just to be with him. He wants us as servants to just say, oh, I cannot wait to see the master coming over the hill because he's such a good master. And our response to his coming is that we want to do everything we can to make his coming the best possible uh, experience for him. So our good works have to flow from a heart of love because if we don't have a heart of love, the poison that bleeds into our hearts is that God owes me for all these good things. You see, a ready servant, the purpose of a ready servant is the longing for and the serving of our master. All right. So we've talked about the posture of readiness, the purpose of readiness. Let's look at the prize of readiness. Now, these two verses, verse 37 and 38, when, when Jesus originally shared this teaching, I'd imagine the people he was listening to go, hmm? like a dog that heard a whistle. What? Wait, wait, what do you, look with me. There's verse 37. See if you can pick up uh, the um, seeming contradiction. It says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. You see in there what's like, wait, what? It says this master who has many, many servants will come and when he arrives and he finds the servants ready, the master will enter in, take off his beautiful garment, his wedding attire. He will then put on servants attire and the master will serve the servants. Okay. That never happened. Okay, that never, ever, ever happened in that context. But we know that we serve a master who is so loving and so kind and so self-giving that this is how he treats his servants. You see, there's a prize of readiness for those servants who are ready to meet their master. The prize is that the master serves the servants. And we know in John 13, this is exactly what Jesus did. In the Last Supper, he came in, took off his clothing, put on a servant's clothing, and he's going to go wash his feet. And what does Peter do? He goes, new way. There is no way you're washing my feet. You see, Peter had yet to understand what Jesus was all about. 
Peter had yet to understand the depth of humility that Jesus gave to his servants so that he could show the depth of love of God the Father to each one of his children. You see, every one of us must at some point in our lives receive something from God that we never deserve. We must, every one of us, receive from God something that, all, that, that on first take we should go, whoa, 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 that, that's too much. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, or I, I became a follower of Jesus when, when, I was, when I was young, very young. And at that, you know, young age, I was still, my heart was sinful. My actions were sinful. My heart, my deed, everything. I was a sinful little being deserving of the condemnation of God Almighty. But God gave me a gift beyond my wildest dreams. It's the gift of his son, Jesus, who through his death and resurrection gives us not only forgiveness of sins. You see, the gospel is not just that our sins are wiped clean. We are then been given the righteousness of Christ. All the good things, all the purity, the, the, the love, the good works of Christ has been put on our account. You see, we have been cleansed and given the righteousness of God. So every heart that is saved, every heart must receive a gift beyond belief. That's the gospel. You see, these servants have to have the humility to be served by the master. And you and I must have the humility to be served by the master. You see, receiving the prize is the true test if, of our relationship being one of obligation or one of love. See, that is the prize of readiness. And, and what does this look like? Well, it looks like at the initial moment of salvation, it's what theologians call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit who does the work of cleansing us of unrighteousness and giving us the righteousness of Christ. But the Bible says that's a deposit. That's like a ticket that we go and cash in later. And that ticket will be cashed in either when Christ comes again or when we die and go to be with him in heaven. Well, what will that look like? What does cashing in the ticket look like? Well, it looks like restored bodies. You see, everywhere we go, whether in church, on the stores, outside, whatever, we are protecting ourselves through masks because our bodies are vulnerable to these unseen things called viruses. When Christ comes again, there is no need for masks. There is no need for hospitals. There is no need for uh, convalescent care. There is no need for palliative care. Our bodies will be completely restored. And those who have died before in Christ will be raised in new life. So we will have restored bodies. We will have restored relationships. You think about that estranged child or that estranged spouse, or that estranged parent, that estranged friend, all those relationships in the Lord will be restored. 
we will have a restored world. All the pollution and all the, the uh, environmental catastrophe that we see in our modern era, those will be renewed and restored. And we will have restored spirits. The sin, the guilt, the shame that pulls us away from God our Father, those will be all gone. We will be whole. And Jesus will be there to usher in the entire thing. That's what the prize of readiness is. And Jesus talks about an extra blessed group. These are those servants who are at the second or third watch of the night, in the middle of the night. Right? It's easy to stay awake during the day, but at night it's a little more difficult. You see, there's some of us in this room who really are struggling. Maybe you're a single mom unemployed. Maybe you've got some health issues. Maybe you've got some major relational issues. But, but nonetheless, you are enduring. You're staying faithful to the Lord. You're doing all you can to trust him, even in the most trying times. And if that is you, Jesus says, there is an extra special blessing waiting for you. And my encouragement is to endure. Push ahead. Keep your eyes looking for the coming king because when he comes, you're going to be the one first in line for the prize. All right. So we've got the posture, the purpose, the prize, and now the period of readiness. When? When do we need to be ready? When is Christ coming again? Look with me at verse 39. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So here Jesus compares his coming like a thief. Now he's not saying he's the thief, but he's saying his coming is, is going uh, to be about as predictable as a thief coming into your home. It will be a complete surprise. It is unforeseeable. That means that Jesus could come at any time. So when is the servant to be ready? Right now. Right at this moment. And at any moment until Christ comes again or we go to be with him in heaven. So as I mentioned earlier in the message, uh, many CVC pastors have fielded a lot of questions about the end times. And I know uh, from this speaking with you, you're beginning to field questions, family members, friends, co-workers about end times, Jesus is second coming, Armageddon, what, what are we going to do? Well, I want to encourage you with these two truths about uh, uh, the end times. First is that the world will not come to an end unless Jesus comes again. The world will not come to an end. It's n it, the world will not, you know, there's not going to be Armageddon apocalyptic reign until Christ comes again. So we can have hope and be reminded that Jesus has it under control. He is the one who sets the timer. He's the one who sets the time frame. The father knows when he wants to bring his son coming again. So it doesn't matter what you've heard and what you've seen. God is still in the driver's seat of the, of the history of our world. So take comfort in that. Second. If a YouTube video tells you that Jesus is coming at this date or at that time, 
or this place or this moment. That video is garbage. Don't listen to it. Just click away. There are a lot of false teaching and false ideas going on right now. And let me point you to two passages of scripture that tell you and remind us that if someone tells you, well, this is going to happen at this point and this is going to happen at that point, then, then the end is coming. They're wrong. Look with me. Matthew chapter 24. It says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Only the father knows when Christ is coming again. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. If someone is telling you Jesus is coming at this point or at that, or because of this or that conspiracy, our world will come to an end, do not believe them. See, our view of the end times must be framed by the word of God. This is the source of, this is sufficient. This is enough for all of life and all godliness. For everything we are to know about God's plan for the world is revealed here. And, and I'm telling you, some, some comic book vendor by day, YouTube conspiracy by night, filming a video in his mom's basement is not going to give you any better information than the word of God. Forget about that stuff. Click away. Don't go down that rabbit hole. Look, here's a test for you. How many minutes last week did you spend on YouTube First, how many spin, minutes last week did you spend in the Word of God? That's probably a good test of where your heart's at. Okay, well, what, what do I do? If you're concerned, and it's okay to be concerned, it's all right. That's not an unnatural thing, and we bring our concerns to God. God tells us that in the Word. So if you're concerned about end times, I want you to read these three passages of Scripture this weekend. You can write them down if you want. Matthew chapter 24 and 25, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Peter. Those are, so this is Jesus' teaching, and it's the, it's the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter teaching and answering questions. Uh, a church basically wrote them and said, what do we do about the end times? And they wrote these books by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to guide us and what we should do in seasons like this. Matthew 24, excuse me, uh, yeah, Matthew 24 and 25, the book of 1 Thessalonians and the book of 2 Peter. I encourage you, if you're concerned about where we're at, which many of us are, go there. <laughs> Not to YouTube, all right? We must be ready at any moment for Jesus' return. All right, well, what do we do? How are we to be ready? So I'm going to invite Pastor Nate up, and I want us to do a little soul searching. Um, I have a little time of introspection this morning. So I don't know about you. Um, I feel like with COVID, 
I have had um, more free time, so we have less scheduled events, you know, less commuting here and there. But I find I have found it exceedingly difficult to have personal reflection and even to pray. I feel like my mind can go all these different places. So I want to use this time. It's kind of a prayerful uh, inner inspection of how you're doing and if you are ready to see Jesus. Okay, so in this parable, God, God, through the Holy Spirit's inspiration in Jesus Christ, gives us four practices that we are to do in order to be ready. It is, we are to have our loins girded, our lamps burning, our hearts longing, and our lives watchful. So for each one of these action steps, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to ask it to yourself. First, loins girded. This means you are ready to move quickly. What keeps you from moving quickly to obey Jesus' call? In your life, what is keeping you from moving quickly to obey Jesus' call? Whether it's to go across the street or across the globe, what keeps you from being able to move quickly? Is it wrong priorities? Maybe it's comfort. You just want to be comfortable. Fear of failure. If I, if I fail, people will f- laugh at me. Maybe it's financial debt. Maybe you want to do something for the Lord, but you're just in debt. You know, maybe you just want to be a nice guy, not ruffle feathers. What keeps me from moving quickly to obey Jesus' call? The second thing God tells us to do is to keep our lamps burning. That means we must see clearly what we should do. What keeps me from seeing clearly what God wants me to do? What we put in our minds will help us to either see clearly or dim the lamp of the light of God. What is keeping your lamp dim? What is, what do you have in front of the lamp that's blocking the light of God to show your path? Maybe it's the stuff we're talking about earlier. Maybe it's your phone. What do you need to do about that? Third thing, heart's longing. What is keeping my heart from longing to see Jesus? Right? What makes me think I want to see the master just not yet? Maybe you want to get married first. Maybe you want to have children. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe you just want to retire and be retired for a few years. (laughs) What makes me think, I want to see the master, just not yet. And then finally, lives watchful. See, in the parable, Jesus compares his return to that of a thief. And a thief would either dig underneath a wall or dig through a wall because a wall would protect invaders from a home. What is the spiritual weak point in my life? What's the area of life where the enemy keeps coming in? Is it 
Is it speech? Is it gossip? Is it fear? Is it greed? Money? How do you use your sexuality? Are you working uh, to succeed in your career? And once that's done, then I'll live for the Lord. Once I'm through school, then I will live for the Lord. Where are you weak in your spiritual defenses? You know, maybe it's self-righteousness. Maybe you're hearing this and you're saying, you know what? Good thing I'm a really ready servant. I've got it all under control. If that's your heart, you're probably dealing with God in a relationship of obligation. Because the way we know we're ready, that our, our spiritual defenses are strong, is that we rely on God every day. Help me, Lord. We're God-dependent. And you know, I know there's probably people in this room and I know there's people watching at home that as I share these things about the end of the age, the coming of Jesus, you know you're not ready. You know that you have never developed a relationship with God. That you have never put your faith and trust in the death of Jesus Christ. You see, if that is you, then the coming of Jesus is a terribly frightening thing. You should be horrified to see God and to explain yourself before him. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, all your sin, all your bad deeds will be burnt away and all that will be revealed is the righteousness of Christ. But if you don't know Jesus, the Bible says that your good works are filthy rags to be thrown away and the only thing that is laid bare is sin. But the good news is that Jesus Christ offers you forgiveness today And at the moment you give your life to Jesus, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I trust in you. I want to be your servant. At that moment, the coming of Jesus becomes a glorious day because you receive the prize just like anyone else who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, no matter what you've done. And if today you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, you just say, Jesus, I want to be your servant. I give over all that I have to you. You lead me. You guide me. I trust you with my life. And if you do that, know that your sins are forgiven and you have been given the righteousness of Christ. And we want to know if you've made that step. We want to walk with you. So reach out to us. You can email us, go on our Facebook page, Instagram, any of our social media. Let us know. We want to walk with you. I hope every one of us, the Holy Spirit has used this teaching from Scripture to show some next steps to you. Let, let me share with you my next step. So I would say the past four to six weeks, I would not say I've been a very good father to my children. I have a five-year-old, three-year-old, and a one-year-old. I've been cranky. I've been irritable. Uh, I've been angry. Um, I, I just haven't been, I haven't been kind. I, I, was, I just haven't been kind. It's like, just get away from me. That's wrong of me. And God, my father, says, you want to serve me? Serve my children. 
Serve your children that I've put in front of you. So this is an area God's working in my life. I can't tell you. Well, I've got this all licked. <laughs> you know, I know how to be the perfect. I actually reached out to an older father over the phone this past week and say, hey, can I get together with you? Like you had a bunch of kids and you must have enjoyed it. So can you help me <laughs> in this season of my life? So that's where I'm at. I'm not ready. That's an area of spiritual weakness in my spiritual defenses. So we're all in this together. We're walking this life together. We all together want to be ready to meet Jesus. And we do that every step by step, little by little. And one of the challenges with COVID is that all throughout scripture, it says, encourage one another, challenge one another, exhort one another. How do you do that? Maybe this week, reach out to somebody you know. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Are you struggling like me? What can, I, can I pray for you? Can we social distance walk and pray? Can we do a prayer walk in our neighborhood? What next step do you need to take in your own life? And how can you encourage someone to be ready together for the coming of Jesus? Well, I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to lead us in one more song. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that we can have the hope that you're coming again. We can have the trust that you will, like a clap of thunder, roll back the heavens as a scroll and you will come physically to put all that is wrong back to right. We long for that day. We want the posture. Lord, we want, we long for the prize. Lord, we want to pursue your purpose. Father, we want to be ready today for your coming. So help us to be the kind of people who are ready for your return and help us to tell people, encourage people, call from the mountaintops. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. So Lord, we love you. We pray this in the matchless and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.